Welcome back to another edition of INT's The Podcast. I'm your host, A-Train, joined by my good friend and co-host, King. What's going on, King? Um, Not too much. Excited to talk about this past week of college football. We had some good games. We had some exciting players. Can't wait to talk about them. Yeah, it was an um, exciting week of football. Some games went as expected, um, Tennessee and LSU. But there was a lot of a lot of surprises out there. I want to start though with Bama and A and M because that game was a game that we all predicted would go over. Uh, we all predicted Bama to cover, but yes. Texas A and M had a shot to win it as time expired, but they just could not pull it off. What were your thoughts on how Texas A and M played, how Bama looked, and what do you think about you know both teams moving forward? Well, I will say this: Texas A and M because. I'm not going to look too much into the stats because I don't think the numbers truly tell the story of this game besides the turnover battle. Um, Texas A&M, the defense, the pass rush showed up. You know, they got after the quarterback. They put pressure on the freshman. Uh, I thought that was a big positive for Texas A&M. The fact that they were able to force some turnovers, once again, force the freshman into some bad decisions. Uh, there were some times, you know, they were forcing him to step up in the pocket, and instead of just trusting his offensive line, he was trying to outrun everybody, and it led to some sacks, led to some turnovers, some forced fumbles. I thought the defense played well. You know, I, I've talked about Texas A&M not being able to find the quarterback on a football field. They proved they me got, wrong. Yeah, they proved me wrong this week. You know, I will say this. I did notice while watching that game, and to – I think this is one of the reasons why Texas A&M is having so much problems with getting a, a legitimate pass rush. They must rotate between 12 and 15, 16 guys. Have you ever heard of anybody rotating that many people in, in a front four, front five? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's pretty common to rotate eight. Every now and then you might see a T10, um, you know, you want to swap out, you know, like have an extra deep tackle available or extra um, rusher. But, yeah, I mean, I've never really seen 12 to 14 yeah, guys. They, they rotate. rotation. They rotate a lot of guys in and out. And I, I was like, man, you know, this guy would be tough to get into a rhythm. Yeah. Even just get a feel for the game when you're sharing snaps like that. I, I thought they caused themselves a lot, of, a lot of harm. You know, they gave up almost 300 yards rushing. Yeah. So, I I think they could just nail it down. Like you said, pick those six to eight bodies who you believe can play and can give you something and just run with it. Yeah. But uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, I agree with pretty much everything that you stated. Um, The guy on that defensive line who I was impressed with was McKinley Jackson. Every time I looked up, he was in the backfield. Big D tackle finished with five tackles, so that's yeah. you know amazing number for a D tackle. But he was he did a great job of getting a push all night long. Um, for A and M, missed opportunities. That's really what it comes yes. down to. Alabama has four had four turnovers. You know, Jalen Miro, you gotta protect the ball better. Three turnovers by him. A and M just could not capitalize. Um, another missed opportunity was very late in the game. A and M was down. Moose Muhammad springs open, wide open, and. But Haynes King just led him a little bit too far. Muhammad made a great adjustment and caught the pass, but he ended up falling down. And they ended up getting a field goal on that possession. And so instead of making it um, 24 all, it was 24 to 20 on that field goal. 
Um, if if he just under even even underthrows him just by a yard, you know he's walking to the end zone. So again, missed opportunities there. But overall, that defense played played inspired. I thought you know they were running to the football. You had uh, Damani Richardson with t- the twelve tackles, ten yes. solos. He was all over the field, you know, Saturday night. So yeah, I mean, I think that it, this is the best they've looked. It's just unfortunate for them that it happens in a loss. I will um, say. I, I like the effort that Alabama gave, you know, bowling up a Shane. Yes. He, you know, we've talked about that kid quite a bit, I believe, almost every week. Mm-hmm. And he, he was a non-factor Saturday yeah. night. Yeah, he didn't really do much. Um, they did a great job bottling him up. But yeah. the guy who did do a lot, though, was Jameel Gibbs for Alabama. Yeah, he the had a great game. The more I watch him, the more I watch him, the more I just fall in love with this kid's game. He has a good burst, but it's his patience at the line of scrimmage. How he just kind of sides up. It, 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 it reminds me almost of Todd Gurley. I, I hate to put that, that lofty comparison up there, but it reminds me of Todd Gurley, the way he was just patient at Georgia and we just burst through the hole. And now he doesn't have that speed or that stiff form as Todd Gurley, but, you know, he maybe he had the speed. But, uh, but yeah, um, Jameer Gibbs, I, I was very impressed with. Um, but with, with, with Bama, though, like, coming into the game, I said I thought they were going to rush 300 yards. And they rushed for 288, as you mentioned. But yeah, They were close. Yeah. And if you had told me that Bama's going to rush for almost 300 yards, I would have told you they won by at least 20, 20 25 points, at least. Yeah. Um, but, no, four-point game. So, pass off to a and Quick, quick thought. What did you think about the freshman quarterback for Alabama? Jalen Milrow, uh, I mean, you can see the excitement there. You can definitely see the talent. You can, you know, his athleticism jumps off the page. It's, he has to protect the ball. That's really what it boils down to. Um, three turnovers is just not going to get it done next week against Tennessee. I don't oh, think Tennessee no. is going to allow Bama to get away with that. I think Tennessee is going to capitalize off the turnovers. So, they have to clean it up. Now, that's assuming he plays. Because Bryce Young, as of right now, I don't think they've made a decision yet. But the assumption is that he's going to suit up in Knoxville this week. So yeah. I don't, yeah. don't want to you know, talk too, too much about the third week in October. But if, if this offensive line can generate this type of push against Tennessee's defensive line next week, um, Bryce Young – He's gonna throw for three hundred plus off of play action alone. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, Mister Gibbs, twenty one carries, one hundred fifty four yards. He's, he's such a smooth runner. I, I, no, I'm really starting to believe in the kid. You know, when yeah. he transferred, you know, Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech I didn't yeah. know too much about him, but I'm the kid's making me a believer. You know, yeah, so, definitely. Definitely uh, one of the candidates for Heisman. Honestly, he's probably the best candidate for Bama for the Heisman right now with uh, Bryce, Young's, Bryce Young's injury. And then uh, Will Anderson having a good year, but I don't think he's having that year that he had last year um, to where he's you know might get that invite to New York. So I do think Jameer Gibbs, like you, as you mentioned, has been amazing, and we'll see if they can keep it up next week against Tennessee. Yes. And then speaking of Tennessee, they went to LSU and just demolished LSU. I thought the game would be a little bit closer. You did not. You're no. right. Uh, what yeah. did you see here from Tennessee? Like, what what impressed you the most in Tennessee in this victory? Well, I I gotta go back to the thing that really gets me with Tennessee. That offensive line <laughs> is just playing great football, and 
I've got to say, you know, Hendon Hooker didn't have a spectacular zero sacks, but that's what I was gonna say. He's standing upright. You know, seventeen of twenty-seven. He he didn't he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but at the same time, you know, he ran it for fifty-six yards. Small and right combined for about two hundred yards or close to it. You know, when your running backs are putting up those type of numbers, the quarterback has a clean jersey. That that's telling me that LSU is doing a lot of things wrong, or they're just not able to 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 generate any pressure. Because if you can't run fit and you can't pass rush, you're not winning a football game. It's just simple as that. And LSU, that offense, or lack thereof, you know, what do you say about Jaden Daniels? 32, you know, completions, 45, Mm. 300 yards. Yeah, I mean, 6.7 yards per attempt. Um, it's getting worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, he threw the ball 45 times, like I said, 300 yards. Good numbers when you think about it, but like I said, 6.7 yards per attempt. He still looked rattled back there. 16 carries. Granted, he was sacked five times, but 16 carries for 38 yards. Uh, He's still taking off. I get that LSU was down from Jump Street this game, but the defense was holding strong early enough to where I felt that they could have tried to establish the run. But to only have a total of 12 carries from um, Josh Williams, John Emery, and then one carry for for Noah Kane. Like, so to only have 12 carries amongst your running backs, that's kind of alarming. Like, you have to, you know, I mean, Grant, they wasn't doing anything, but you have to at least try to establish that run. Uh, especially early in the game, when you get down 13-0, one of the best ways to kind of get that momentum back or to at least quell the momentum of the opposing team is to just run the football and try to break some clock, you know, try to, you know, get back into a rhythm, and they just never did that. My question with Daniels is this. We talked about Friday. You know, he was averaging a little over seven yards per pass. And I remember Big Run said, hey, at the beginning of the season, he was about nine. Like I said, it's getting worse. Yeah. I don't – you're not going to win too many games in college football with averaging 6.7 yards per pass. Can't, it, it can't get any worse. Yeah, I mean, you can get away with it, but only if you're, like, possessing the ball for, like, 40 minutes and you're using that as, like, your like, – like an air raid kind of thing. You just, like, just you know, just short passes, controlling the clock. And right. you're, you know – but you have to have a completion percentage of, like, 70%, which he did not, so. No, and against a team like Tennessee who is putting the ball downfield, making plays, make you know – they had guys who were out there making plays. You know, Big Byron Young had two sacks on the day. It, I'm starting to believe Tennessee might be for real. You know, they, yeah. they played together this past week. Yeah, I have a lot to say about Tennessee uh, on Friday's show. But, yeah, yeah, they look they look good. You know, um, Hendy Hooker, uh, as you mentioned, you know, had a pretty good game. Nothing, you know, off the charts, but – a good solid game. Brew McCoy had a big game, seven catches for one forty. He's yes. really starting to come on the USC transfer. Uh, and as you mentioned, Byron Young, two and a half sacks, five sacks as a team. Um, they came to play. I mean, that and that was the question with Tennessee. All there game. were five Defense. sacks, but there were a lot more pressures. Uh, yeah. So it it was it, it was a great team effort. They had nine TFLs. 
You know what I mean? That that, that tells the story. Yeah. Know? Like sometimes I feel that TSL TFLs are um are a better indicator of defensive play than sacks sometimes, you know. So Yes. I, I agree with that statement. You know? Yeah. And um so that sets up the Bama Tennessee matchup. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. Man, I'm excited for this game. So how this is the first time in I what? wanted to, yeah. I, oh, I have notes on that for, for Friday's show about the relevance <laughs> of this game uh, in our lifetime <laughs> and how this stacks up to that. So right. we'll, you know, we can get into that. But, yeah, let's just say that it hasn't been very relevant for most of our lives. Fair enough. I can't yeah. wait to hear about it. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, an exciting game this week, though. Probably the best game uh, as far as just big plays. TCU versus Kansas. TCU comes out on top 38-31. Jalen Daniels get hurt at the end of the second quarter, injures his shoulder, but the backup Jason Bean came in and played played amazing. You know, uh, sixteen to twenty-four, two sixty-two, four touchdowns, all in the second half. Um, can't ask for more from your backup quarterback. But at the end, he, end of the day, TCU was just too much. He look, hats off to that kid. You know, because had they won, he was going to be my player of the week. Same. Um, but as you said. There's nothing more you can ask from a kid coming in, put him in that environment, in that situation. Luckily, he was you know, he was at home, but you, he, he battled with TCU. You know, he, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, and they were making big play out the big play. Both yes, teams, both teams were. Yeah, amazing catch. Both the back teams. The end zone. Both teams. It was incredible effort from TCU. Incredible effort from Kansas. The only thing I will say, though, for Kansas, I'm not sure where it gets a lot easier from here because, and I'm saying this, but at the same time, I think I think it's a realistic thing that they can get to seven wins. I don't think they're going to get much more than that. But for if you're me, Kansas, seven it, wins is, is a great season. Yeah, it is a great season, but I'm start. I mean, I know last week that's what I said. I said I think they might get to seven, but I don't know. They got Oklahoma this week. Now is that Oklahoma? But the way Oklahoma's playing, that might be a dub. And then it's just a matter of like if you can get one. I mean, get two between Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, and Kansas State. So yeah, I think seven is probably realistic. But I can see them getting eight. I, I can see it because after watching them play against TCU. And you know, I I'm starting to become more and more of a believer in Kansas, so that's something that um, I wouldn't put it past them. But I think seven is probably a fair number, though. And honestly, if it was seven, that's a great season. I, I don't think that um, uh, Lightpool should get criticized for a late season collapse. I think if anything, he should get praised for the fact that they won seven games. This is freaking Kansas we're talking about here. Exactly. Look, this is not the basketball team. Yeah. And you know, on the flip side. To give the team actually one some praise, you know, TCU, you know, you were pushed yeah. to the limit, but you found a way to win a, a game uh, on the road in front of a sellout crowd. Yeah. You know, that still counts for something. So even if it is Kansas, you know. And, and then TCU, um, they have a big matchup coming up this week against Oklahoma State. So that's something that, you know, we have to, you know, we're going to definitely get into later this week. Somebody's going to lose their O. Yes, exactly. So probably the match of the, of the year for the Big Twelve so far, unlike the game that we'll talk about later. You know, the uh, Red River Shootout. Um, what we really call it a shootout? 
or yeah. Matt, the Red River shooting. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, there, there was one side shoot. <laughs> it wasn't a shootout. Oh, but yeah, TCU, uh, Max Duggan had 300 yards, four total touchdowns. Quentin Johnson had a big game, though. Uh, every time I look up, he was making another play. 14 catches, 206 yards, including the game-winning TD. Yes. Yeah, just back and forth all game long. So, uh, he's, a, he's a big kid. Yeah, yeah, he's a big kid. Like, coming into the season, because uh, he was one of my keys to this game, because coming into the season, he was he was having some late first, early second round projections, but he didn't really set the world on fire the first few weeks of the season. But this week, he really stepped up. So um, I don't know how tall he is. I didn't look it up, you know, to be honest. But just watching him on the field, like man, they're having a tough time matching up with this kid. And it's you know they tried you know moving some guys around, yeah. But per- nobody could get a real handle on Mr. Quinn Johnson. Yeah, per ESPN, he's six four two fifteen. He looks all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely good looking kid. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely. Hey, I, he's not one of those that's gonna shrink at the combine. Yeah, I mean maybe it happen if they all do. Yeah, but, well, you know, the combine they're gonna pull out the tape measurement like you're six three and five eight, son. <laughs> yeah, you know how they do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the final ranked game we had that was interesting. We can talk about this quickly. I didn't get a chance to really watch it honestly. But UCLA versus Utah, uh, forty two thirty two. A lot of offense, five hundred yards to four seventy nine. Dory Thompson Robinson, another great game. He's starting to creep, creep up some Heisman boards. Just you know, just yeah. throwing it out there. And then Zach. So- Charbonnet with 198 yards rushing. Any thoughts on this? I I got to admit, I didn't watch it. I I know UCLA Utah was the other ranked matchup, but this it's hard to watch UCLA football. <laughs> you know, I the little bit I did watch because they got up on them kind of. Uh, I want to say it was in the third quarter. They started to open up the lead a bit. And then, you know, I stepped away because, like, okay, th- this game's probably over. UCLA is going to get the win. And and Utah tried to make a game of it, but it, you know, maybe it'll be the battle for LA to win the Pac 12 this year. Yeah, it's I, looking that way. I'm just looking at this team for UCLA. They don't jump off the screen to me. Like, I know they're 6 0. But I don't think they're that good. And, and maybe that's just me picking on poor UCLA, but what do you see? You know, are, are you seeing anybody that makes you say, well, I think yeah. you could, you know, make a push come playoff time. I mean, Zach Charbonnet is one of the better running backs in the country. So they have that. And then, as mentioned, Dory Thompson Robinson, the way he's playing, um, like a high contender. So you have a great one two punch there. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's still tough to say because they haven't played anybody up until Utah, but they did beat Utah, so they deserve credit. Utah's been a team. Yes, they do. Even with their loss to Florida, people still have been thinking highly of them. So to pull this game off, uh, it was a big win for UCLA. Uh, I'm more intrigued about UCLA moving forward, though, um, because, you know, you have a bye week, and then you, have, you go to Oregon the next week. I think that's going to be a great test. Now, if UCLA pulls that off, then watch out because November nineteenth, you see UCLA versus USC. It could be two undefeated teams if they can pull off the win that order. And that's what I was going to ask you before we move on. Who have you been more impressed with, USC or UCLA so far this year? No, 
Yeah, I understand that. That's perfect response. <laughs> I, I was like, I mean, tricking. I don't think. I mean, honestly, I would say probably UCLA because UCLA has at least be the ranked team. Yes. Um, USC is just holding steady. Just they, like in, in their defense, they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is just win games. You know, they struggled against Oregon State earlier this season, but they, just, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, Caleb Williams kind of has been hopes are starting to dwindle a little bit um, with a few bad performances, but yeah, I don't know. Um, like I you said, know, I remember it, when I picked them to win, you know, to make it to the playoffs as the four seed. I remember telling you guys, it has nothing to do with this team being very good. Yeah, and you were right. I just figured they would have a slip up, and I just and don't. I figured I felt I felt the one loss team, a one loss USC team with that conference would would not be good enough to make it. And I just, I just felt they was yeah, I felt they would slip up somewhere, and that's kind of that, that was my. Reasoning behind not picking them because I was thinking about them or Clemson, but I went with Baylor and we see how that turns out. So Baylor's a good team. They just well, we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So I mean, a lot of exciting uh, matchups, exciting players this week, um, uh, which brings us to our players players of the week. Now we can do this a little bit different this week because Israel. Abanaconda, how do you say his name? Uh, at Pitt, just just went. He's berserk. definitely the player of the week. We went berserk. Thirty six carries, three hundred and twenty yards for six touchdowns, breaking Tony Dorsett's record. You know, Tony Dorsett's one of the all time great football players in history of both college and NFL. So how long did he record last? That had to be quite a few decades. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it had to be in the seventies. I mean, I don't know where Tony Dorsett uh, graduated from Pitt, but. It was a quite a few decades. Yeah, I got so, the feeling this one's gonna last quite a few decades as well. Yeah, so um, picking from guys who actually was on this planet this week, uh, who's your player of the week? It is Mr. Quinn Johnson. Uh, the the kid was just out of this world, and like you said, making the big play in the big moment in a big game. All you right, know, well, game winning catch can't really top it. Yeah, Quinn Johnson definitely deserves. He's actually uh, my pick as well. Honestly, I, I know that's boring, but you know that's yeah. uh, my guy. Same reason. The guy was just he just made play after play after play, and when a team needed a big play at the end of the game, he made it. So because you know we both in Quinn Johnson, I, I'm going to use this segment to give a shout out. Shout out to Dylan Johnson, Mississippi State running back, um, 17 carries, 100 yards. Yes. Yes. Mike Lee, a hundred yard rusher and two touchdowns. So I did see Jones. that. I did see that. You know, Mississippi State, are they quietly, you know, putting themselves in the conversation? Not to be, you know, to win the West. Well, they're definitely I mean, quietly you know, putting themselves in a uh, position uh, for a New York Six Bowl. That's what I was gonna say. Um, that. the LSU loss, man, it stinks right now. It, it stinks so bad. Yeah. Um. And not to knock LSU, I mean, it's in Death Valley. And I know Run will laugh at me when I say this, but I just I felt it going to the game, and I felt it now. Mississippi State was a better team, and there's just no reason to lose that game. Uh, and it's, it's definitely haunting because, it, it you know, it, it removes the margin of error because you do have to play Georgia and Bama, um, which is, you know, 
I mean, it's besides be Auburn, you know, you know, Auburn and State are the teams that played those, both those teams, you know, this season. So, yeah. So if you if you, you know, so because of that, you lose that margin of error. So you pretty much have to beat Kentucky this week. You have to beat, you know, Ole Miss. You have to beat um, Auburn, which at this point shouldn't be too hard. Hopefully, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Shout out to um, Dylan Johnson. And yeah, that that team is starting to kind of you know creep up a little bit. You know they're yeah. rising in the polls. Um, I'm not on the Mike band, the Mike Leach bandwagon yet. I still have my criticism, but um, if the bandwagon was the ice cream truck, I'm chasing behind it right now. Hey. You know, I'm I'm you know I'm trying to keep up with it. You know what I'm saying? And I might jump on it. You know, put another big win. But he's starting to turn things around for me with his with the fact that kind of like we t- t- talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, about him not evolving, the fact that he's willing to incorporate the run game, and that's like uh, really starting to show the last couple of weeks one fifty and one seventy yards rushing. Yeah, if you can do that. You can win some games. In yeah, he's actually willing to have some balance. Exactly, because yeah. that's that's really all it came down to. I mean, I still I would still like more creativity, but the fact that he's showing willingness, that's really um, what I was hoping for. And, and as long as he does that, then hey, I'm all aboard. Yeah. yeah. Is it about that time? Not quite. Not quite. Because, you know what? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. That's the name of the segment. Ooh. Seriously. Seriously. Oklahoma? Seriously, man. Seriously? Yeah, Seriously. I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. I want to call it a drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> because, and I don't mean the drive-by type of shooting. I'm talking about one of those where you like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come stop by either the family, but I'm just driving by. I'm just going to, hey, y'all, what's up? And keep on moving. I'm not even getting out the car. Because you flip to that game, unless you were a Texas fan or an Oklahoma State fan, there was no reason to watch that game. Yeah. It was was just an automatic flip. Zero reasons to watch that game. Um, I have some numbers here. Um, so Texas, uh, forty nine points was their career high in this in this rivalry, which means that was also their largest margin of victory. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma's now lost three games in a row after being in the top twenty five. Um, the last time Oklahoma was shut out was nineteen ninety eight. So to have it happen against Texas is pretty pretty bad. Last time they shut out against Texas was nineteen sixty five. 1965? Uh, yes. Last time Texas shut out Oklahoma. These stats are per ESPN, by the way. Oklahoma mm-hmm. has scored off the touchdown in 167 straight games. So that was snap. And the loss was the worst loss. The worst, sorry, the worst shutout loss in OU history, which uh, passes a, a, a pass mark of 47-0 in 1945. Uh, yeah, so just a lot of, a lot of uh, bad. And there's more numbers, you know, but yeah, that's Kind of give you a gist of just how bad and how historic this loss. I want to pray. Like I want to praise Quinn and yours. You know, kid had four touchdown passes. B. John Robinson had a big game. Uh, yes, he did. But you know, all these players, I can give them all this praise, but it's more in Oklahoma. Venables is supposed to be a defensive coach. Yeah. It. It's one thing like if they lose this game eighteen to sixteen or <laughs> yeah, this is like okay. Well, you know the, the defense was there. You know they they held Texas to five field goals or something crazy. Okay, you know you can accept it. 
But when you lose 49 to 0, nothing went right. Nothing. Exactly. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And the fact that you couldn't get anything, just put a drive, one drive together. I mean, they had 195 yards of total offense. Yeah, 39 was, yards passing. It, it was it was pretty awful. Yeah, it, it really was. And like I said, like on, on this show, you know, it's not that serious. We try, try not to take things too seriously here, but seriously. Yes, that, that's the only way to describe it. it. They fit perfectly for the new debut of that segment because, like you said, just seriously, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some weeks, you know, we might have two teams, you know, worthy, or we might have each, each have our pick. But this week, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, Oklahoma, was... seriously. What's yeah. going on? That's all. No. Yeah. All right. But uh, one more thing, though, before we get to the RPO, though, top twenty-five came out. You saw these <laughs> rankings yet? I heard a little bit, and I said this can't be real. So I'm hoping. The top five that you named me is not the, the rumored top five that I heard. What do you hear? I heard Ohio State was jumping up. Yeah, they're number two. What has Ohio State done? You know, I'm going to just let you say the top five. I'm All right. Sorry. Well, top five, you know, in order, Georgia's back to number one, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Michigan. By the way, Georgia's a big win over Auburn, but that was expected. Uh, number six is Tennessee. USC 7, Oklahoma State 8, Ole Miss 9, Penn State 10. UCLA jumps up to number 11, Oregon's 12. So a big matchup there. TCU's 13, Wake Forest 14, NC State, Mississippi State, Kansas State, Syracuse. Speaking of Syracuse, yeah, Syracuse jumps up to number 18. We brought them up last week. So yeah. they're you – know, I mean, they're in ranking um, at 18 now. Uh, Kansas, Utah, Cincinnati, Texas at 22. Tower, Kentucky, Illinois, and then making their debut um, – uh, it's a feel-good story here. A team who just became, just joined the FBS this season. James Madison? After their first five games, they're 5-0 and are now ranked number 25. This has to be some kind of record for, like, the fastest a team has uh, entered as the top 25 since becoming an FBS school. But, yes, James Madison. James Madison is 25. Look, congratulations to, to the boys at JMU. You know, yeah. that's all to you, sons. Um, now, on to the big boys. What has Ohio State done, and Penn State for that matter, and Michigan? The entire Big Ten has avoided everyone. <laughs> well, in Ohio State's credit, they did play uh, Notre Dame. And did you see what they looked like against Notre Dame? This is true. This is true. This is true. You know, Notre Dame has a, had a terrible offense. I still don't believe that offense is very good. Yeah. And they're created. The, Notre Dame is starting to pick it up a little bit. They're finally yeah. starting to kind of figure things out here. But, but yeah, they, I think with Ohio State, it's not the fact that who they play. I think it's more the fact that they just haven't really been tested and they just look strong um, in their games. Michigan. Whereas I feel Michigan has not looked strong in all their games. So, And I don't know what Penn State's doing. Yeah, it. I mean, Penn State be Auburn, if that means anything. I mean, I did pick Auburn to win that game because I ain't believe in Penn State, <laughs> even though I knew, you know, it's Auburn, and I fully expect Auburn to do Auburn things, and they did that day. I just this top twenty five 
it's not playoff time yet. But we're in what week seven of the college football season. Yeah, I think the playoffs start right come out like the um, beginning of November or end of October. Right. So we still got, I think, at least two more weeks. Right. Let's say we have about two weeks until the college football playoffs. I I can't wait to see what they, what they look like. That, yeah. that, that's, I'm just leave that there because right now these top, this top twenty five is a bit weird to me. So not based on what you're seeing this year, just based on what you think, based on the games coming up. Well, you know what, you know what, scratch that because I don't even want to get to that because that's that's tipping picks. So based on what you saw so far, right, let's go that route. Who would you have as your top four? Right now, in order, my like my number one seed is actually going to be Alabama. And the reason why, through you know all the games they've played this year, that team isn't – they're not the best team in college football, but they I think they can be the best team in college football. This team has turned the football over a ton this year and are still winning football games against quality competition. But they just keep shooting their, you know themselves in the foot. I do believe a Nick Saban coach team will clean that up. Yeah. So when this team stops doing that and stops turning the ball over multiple times and losing the turnover battle, they're going to be just that much better. Okay. Georgia is my number two. I The only reason I don't have Georgia above Bama, I don't think the defense is as good as last year's defense. And that was a huge thing for them when they played Bama in that national title game. That defense had to step up and make a lot of plays. I don't see that same level of talent this year as compared to last year. My number three, I like Oklahoma State. Oh, wow. I'm actually liking Oklahoma State. You know, the bit I've seen from them, I'm not sure they can play with those first two especially if Bama's on point. I don't think they can play with Bama. But Oklahoma State versus Georgia would be th- – that's the matchup I want to see. And that's the matchup I think we will get. Mm. And then my fourth best team is probably Ohio State. I'm not convinced because that game against Notre Dame has me a little iffy. However, like you said – you know, they've been cruise control all season. <laughs> and I just wonder, though, will that come to bite them in the butt? And you know, they're just cruising on autopilot. And we've seen Ohio State slip up when they are in that mode. So yeah. That's the only thing that gets me. Okay. Um but yourself? I mean, mine is a lot more boring than yours. Okay. I would probably have Georgia one. I just think they're the best team in football. Right. Uh, and then based on what we've seen so far, I probably put Bama two only because the Texas win is starting to look a little bit better. Yes. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just got Bama two, I think. Ohio State three. Now, I can easily swap them in Bama, but I'm going to keep them at three here. Like you said, they have been on cruise control. They've been just pretty much mauling everybody they played against so far. I've been impressed with Travion Henderson. And I've been been impressed with you know CJ Stroud right now is probably the betting favorite for the Heisman still. Only and quite frankly, the receiving core has been great, and this is without possibly the best receiver in the country in Jackson Smith and, and Jigba. So once he comes back, the offense should look even better. 
Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. has played well, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, and then four. That's a tough one. I might go Clemson because they have a couple of ranked victories. That's really it. Um, yeah, yeah uh, ten, ten, I have Tennessee at a close five, right behind them. Um, but yeah, I'll probably go with Clemson over Tennessee because Tennessee has looked impressive, but that Pittsburgh win is probably the best win so far. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I know they beat Florida and beat LSU, but I think the Pittsburgh win probably the best win. Um, but Clemson has beat Wake Forest and uh, NC State, so I go with Clemson. Uh, no, I, I think as we move forward, these by the time the the rankings show up week one for the college football playoff rankings. I got the feeling, you know, some of this will start to clear itself up. Hopefully, teams like Ohio State have gotten some games on their schedule. You know, Penn State can go play, you know, because some of these schools, like the TCU-Oklahoma State, that game's going to clear up a lot. Yes. For that conference. Penn State plays Ohio State, I want to say relatively soon, huh? Yeah, it's pretty soon. Uh, let me let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's soon. I I don't know the exact date, but it's pretty soon. Right. This is I I just had the feeling that they're gonna play them soon. I want to say they play them like a couple of weeks, but uh, like uh, I know half they have to buy, and then they yeah. play somebody else. I think this may be yeah October twenty ninth is when it is. Right before State. Halloween. Yep. So, yep. It's. And yeah, that'll be the probably the Saturday before the college football playoff rankings. Probably, yeah. So, a lot of look. There's a lot of football to be played. Yes. So it, I won't take these. I won't take the top twenty-five too seriously yet until the thirtieth of October. You know, then because then we'll have a better idea. Yeah. Of what's going on. Yeah. Because I mean, it's still it's still very fluid. Next week definitely is gonna be a big separation week coming up because that's a lot of big games coming up next week. Uh, the six rank rank v rank matchups next week. Um. So yeah. So we, we should definitely see like who's the truth because you know you, you do have Michigan versus Penn State this week. Um. That's gonna be a huge one. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So that's gonna be a game that's gonna you know really. Is this uh, the first? Big matchup for the Big Ten this season. Yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, uh, Michigan is number five. Penn State ten. So that you know you got that matchup. Bama, Tennessee. We talked about that. And Oklahoma State, TCU. Those are three huge games. That's Get the headline. Announced it. Yeah, you got USC playing against Utah. Mississippi State playing against Kentucky. You know, rank. You know, rank matchup. NC State against Syracuse. Another rank versus rank matchup. So, I feel like we're going to start to get you know. It's not, you know, how do you say separation Saturday? You know, I don't know if this is it yet, but um, it's getting close. It's getting close. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a week where there's gonna be a, a lot of shuffling around. Yeah, some some people's January, you know, six, you know, of the major bowls, their dreams are gonna get crushed Saturday. Yeah, you definitely. lose, you know, you're going to. The Birmingham Bowl, which you know, look, they have a top <laughs> out in Birmingham. What do you go that far? But okay, but you know, I'm just saying, you know, because well, you're correct. You know, just because you're ten and two at the end of the season doesn't mean you're going there. Yeah, but you're gonna miss out on that Peach Bowl. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be, you know, like I mentioned earlier with uh, Mississippi State, you know, it's definitely going to reduce that margin of error that you have. Yes. You got to be Kentucky. Which, no. Nah. I'm excited for this weekend in college football. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Friday's show's going to be jam-packed. Oh, definitely. yeah. All right. But moving on to the RPO here. You know the drill. Read the headline. If you want to run with it, we run with it. If not, we'll pass it. Um. So, um, speaking of the rankings, you know, we talked about, you know, Ohio State earlier. Ohio State passes Bama and Georgia as a college football playoff betting favorite. I'm a pass just yet, just now. As not as you like to gamble, but I'm a pass on that one until we get around the college football playoff. Yeah, still too early. I mean, yeah. but I thought it was, thought it was interesting. Uh, interesting, interesting stat though. This is the first time since November 2020 that a team other than Bama or Georgia has been a consensus favorite. So, hmm. I don't parody. know. I'm not sure what Vegas knows that like we parody. Uh, yeah, but also, you know, y- you got to be careful with Vegas. They've been having some odd <laughs> wins for Mississippi State for you know about a decade. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We've yeah, we discussed that privately. How the over under is always like eight and a half. It's like I don't see it, but okay. I don't know who that guy is, but I know he graduated from Mississippi State. <laughs> All right. All right. So next next headline here. Uh Deion Sanders was pushed away by opposing coach during the handshake. You gotta run with that. Oh uh, Coach Prime and the coach, you know, Eddie Robb Jr. Now, I will say this though. That's not um not the legendary coach. Yeah, it's not his son. Right. It's not the legendary Yeah. I thought initially I was like Eddie Robinson Jr. Shouldn't he be much older than that? But go ahead. Right. If, if there was a junior. Right. That's just gonna say that don't get me wrong. Yeah, if this would be a lot bigger of a deal if it was yeah. the legendary coach Eddie Rock. Isn't he the all-time leader in wins, or he's close? To- I know he was. I don't know if he still is. I think somebody from a lower division passed him. Okay. But, um, yeah. I can look that up, actually. Yeah, but the reason I'm going to run with this is this reason. One, Jackson versus Alabama State. Good. Alabama State played a very competitive football game. Uh, those kids have nothing to be ashamed of. However, I wonder why this beef is even happening. Well, yeah. Here in one part that, you know, they never talked throughout the week. Uh, No one, there wasn't any communication, which is a little bit weird because I don't know too much about the college level, but even Saban and Jimbo with all the back and forth they had throughout the summer, and all the bad blood that was being built up, especially with the media, those guys still, you know, met at the mall. Jimbo was trying to get Saban's attention for a good, like, two, three minutes. <laughs> they finally had a little chit-chat and talked and laughed and then went play football. Yeah. Honestly, I will say this. if you For Mr. Eddie Robinson Jr., you're gonna bring some excitement to your program for next season's game. Yeah, because and that's one thing that Dion, uh, Coach Prime, sorry, uh, kind of kind of touched on. He, he mentioned how it was a sellout, you know, this game, um, because of the the I guess the the pregame, not pregame, but like 
uh, midweek talk that he did. I guess, you know, um, Coach Robinson felt disrespected yeah. about some of the comments that Deion Sanders made and said, quote, he ain't swag. I'm swag. He ain't swag. He's in the conference doing a great job. Can not that got a great team. His son should be up for the Heisman Trophy. I love Shadur, a great player. I love what he's doing for the conference. But you're not gonna come here and disrespect me and my team and my school and then want to bro hug, shake my hand, and get the ball, get the hell off. So yeah. Well, uh, the thing is, you know, Mr. Eddie Robinson, he did graduate from Alabama State, so that might have something to do with it. But why we? He, he I mean, played pro football for you know over ten seasons. Okay, he was a second round pick. Oh. So my thing is this though, like football. he's no coach prime. Yeah, my thing is this though, like I am one of the people who like really like encourage players to go to the swag as opposed to going JUCO route or trying to go to like uh, UL Monroe or you know. I think the swag is a great option for a lot of these a lot of these kids that they just don't want to take. So I like the swag. But my thing is, why are you gatekeeping Eddie Robinson Jr.? Like, like, why are you like, you know, he ain't swag, he ain't swag. That's uh, why this man has come into the swag and basically put Jackson State and by uh, affiliation the swag on a national platform now. Yeah. And you're gatekeeping saying he's not swag, so it's kind of. You know. I was gonna bring up, you know, just to quickly, you know, not boast about myself, but just say, you know, I know when I was in high school, I was like, man, you know. I will, I, you know, I wanted to play college ball. Wasn't able to go to the schools that I wanted to go to because of academic reasons. However, I just knew, okay, someone from the SWAC is going to offer something's going to come up up from that, and no one ever did. And I always thought that was weird. And then you see a, a coach say stuff like this, and he was coaching while I was actually in high school. You say comments like this, and it makes you wonder, well, is this why? Y'all just look at certain people and say, hey, they're not swag, so what? Yeah. We just go elsewhere. I, I find that Could it have been weird. the school you went to? I think so. I've had people tell me that that if you don't go to the right sort of schools, they won't even look. But I, I find, like, to me, I think Coach Prime at least is showing people, like, hey, you just got to go where the ball players are. The people who want to play football will go play football. Yeah. If you're just gatekeeping and saying, well, you went to go to this type of school, therefore we don't want you. To me, and this is no slander to Mr. Robinson, that makes me question you as a coach. Yeah. Like you said, I, I don't understand why he wants to gatekeep the swag like that. Um, and no disrespect to him. He hasn't yeah. even been the best school in the East. You know, Alcorn has dominated the East for quite some time. Yeah. I don't – I'm not understanding this one too much. Yeah, I mean, you know, interesting, you know, uh, exchange there. But, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, I am curious to see how long um, Coach Prime stays in the SWAC. But I think why he's there, though, he's, you know, he's helping bring in a lot of attention – to Jack State in particular, but also the swag by, like I said, affiliation. So. And hopefully more kids, hopefully more kids will go because, like we just discussed, son, the exposure that you're getting at Texas State, what's, is it really that much more than what you're going to get at Texas Southern? 
Yeah. If anything, you probably have more opportunity because you're actually in the city of Houston. Yep. Agreed. So. Yeah. All right. So moving on here, um, kind of jumping around. Kansas QB Jaden Daniels denies report he is out for the season. I just thought it just the new one. I'm not even sure what to say with that. Like, I don't want to. I'm gonna run with it really, really quickly. Just, I hope, I hope the kid gets better. Hope he... Yeah, yeah, because you know, hopefully, he's, been he's out... not for the out for the season. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. He went out in the second quarter, and I guess a independent journalist. This is why I also mentioned like last week, not want to get into rumors, you know, whatnot, but. You know, he went out and just said he expected to miss, you know, the game. I mean, he expected him to miss the rest of the season with a grade three separation of his right shoulder per sources. But basically, the um, the uh, journal, that, I mean, the um, newspaper that, that he's freelance for came out and basically said, um, no, we don't have that information. And he has, but we can't confirm or deny it. And, you know, so and, and Jaden Daniels even went out and said, you know, that's news to me. So it's just a guy, I guess. He, maybe he heard something third hand from somebody and just posted it. But even if it is true, I I hate the idea that people you know want to break a story so bad that they you know just put out information before it's ready to be released. The, the crazy uh, part about it is this, and this is similar to what happened to JJ Watt. I don't know if you heard about him uh, when he was talking about having you know to get his rhythm, his heart. Uh, oh yeah, reset. It's weird that you know people are allowed to leak your medical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I it, agree. That's a that's a weird one, because any other place you're getting sued. Yes, and so, and, and and in this case, if it does turn out to be true, then it's a bigger problem for kids. yeah, especially if Jaden Daniels seriously don't know about it. Because if he seriously don't know, and then finds out, hey, it really is great to restrain friend. And it's my question is, how do you know this? Who's who's talking? Yeah, that's a, you have a bigger like. This is a bigger problem. If, yeah, if it'll be like me, like um, just full disclosure here. Like me, I sometimes uh, deal with athletes in my job, and it'd be like me who, you know, have a patient who's an athlete, and I was just come up like, "Hey, man, this player for UF came in, and his knee is jacked up. He's gonna be out for at least like four weeks. I mean, you know, that chair was bad, like." You know, like it's not my place to say that. I'm just nope. there. I'm just working there, doing my job, and I, you know, it's not me to say anything. Um, and so, if if that information is true, which I mean, I'm hoping it's not. It I'm may not be. Then someone definitely should get in trouble for this. Yeah, yeah. It, but it, in Kansas, if it is true, you got some house cleaning to do. Exactly. Exactly. Find a different uh, hospital to go to uh, for your scans because, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that place. Is- Trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, um, Alabama player says Jimbo Fisher tipped the final play call. I mean, I'm gonna run with it because that <laughs> what was that play call was horrible. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but apparently, apparently, uh, Terry Arnold says that um, he saw the Aggies coach on the sideline screaming, "Evan, Evan, Evan," and so he just knew he was going to t- uh, Evan Stewart on the final play. I will say this. I will say this. I have seen lots of coaches do that. Or my favorite is when they substitute like a, a different person in. And it's like, come on, man. Guys, if, you, if you're paying attention on defense, there's a reason why they just substituted the big D tackle in. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they just substituted the super athletic D in. 
guess what? The play is going to involve him in some way. They're not bringing him in just to yes. be And if you see the coach, it's like, come on, son. He ain't telling that to the kid who's running the distraction route. Nah. No. <laughs> that ball going to him. So, it is. The kid's right. But even if he didn't tip it off, I mean, that was still. I don't know what to say about that play. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think this probably best. I don't know. I don't know. It was a bad play. Like I don't know. I don't know if the play was was bad, or if Evan Daniels. I mean, sorry. Um, if uh, 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 Evan Stewart like came back too far on the route, or if Haynes King was too late throwing it on the route, or if Arnold cut him off. Like I don't know what happened, but either way, it looked bad. Like the you know he was like a yard in front of. The pass sell, uh, you know, wasn't even catchable. Was, yeah, he didn't have a chance. Yeah, it was just, it was a bad play in general. Like it was just bad. It, it was, whew. yeah. It's like uh, a bad quarterback on NCAA football. Yeah, ball goes to the, the goalpost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the last story that I uh, have here is a uh, minority coaching coalition to get one point five million dollar boost from Under Armour. I would run. I, I'm gonna run with it really quickly. I think this is the most runs we ever had. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, but I don't know too much about this coaching coalition. Yeah, like basically what it is that it's just a um like a group that tries to pair um coaches with uh and basically just put them out there for athletic directors to. So they're. Um, yeah, well, head coaches, assistant coaches, you know, just aspiring coaches. So they're trying well, that's to. That's what I mean, too. It's just like the, the middleman who's like, hey, look, I'm going to try to help you get a job. Exactly, exactly. And, and, uh, and uh, Under Armour provided $1.5 million to, to, to help with the organization, you know, what they do. And there are some coaches who are part of it. Um, but yeah. But we could talk about minority coaches. That could be a deep dive in itself. Um, yeah. But, but yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah as, as right now, only fifteen of the one thirty one jobs are held by black coaches. None in the SEC, which is probably um, of the major conference. Not probably, but um, the highest percentage of, of African Americans. So, yeah. Yeah, but have you seen the play, the coaches they've had? Yeah, I mean, Croom and Mason and Joker Phillips do not make us look good. So, you know, Croom probably. If we're gonna be fair, Kroon probably held a lot of people. Back. <laughs> you know, because he was the first let in the door. Yeah. And arguably, if they would say we sealed the door shut, we just you know, it has just been no, it, it, it's closed. We welded it closed. Yeah, like you know, I'm you're not- bad when um they have a term "crooned" name after yeah. you because once you be a coach, you know they get fired. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how bad you are. Yeah, it, that's one of those where, and I remember talking to you about Kroom. You're like, you said one of his first press conferences. Oh like, yeah, I yeah, I told that story all the time. He essentially kicked off half the team. Yes, and you're like, you know, I knew he wouldn't be good. And I was like, well, well yeah. So like full disclosure. So when when Kroom was hired, right? Like my first thought was, I always felt that a black coach. Under the right circumstances, especially during that time, anyway, could build the power. Okay, 
So I was like, when he got hired, I was like, okay, as as, as African American from Mississippi, I was like, okay, uh, I can see people relating and wanting to go for a black coach. I see parents want to send their kids, you know, um, to play for them. You know, I can see this. You know, you, yeah. you know, representation matters. That's a big thing. You hear that a lot in all mediums. So, for his very first press conference, he talked about how you know, not not that there's anything wrong with it, but downplaying his race, which is again, I understand it. You want to be a you, PC. You want your merit. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do think that's a big part of who you are. You need to embrace that. But more so than that, though, it was just the, the, the stuff, stuff that he was talking about, playing the right way and being strict and disciplined in the program. And none of these are bad things in the vacuum, but it's something that you know that it's not going to resonate with 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. That is not, it's just not typical. Yeah. That can't be yeah. your first press conference. Yeah, so I instantly was like, okay, he's not going to work out. And... Coupled to the fact that he was a terrible off- offensive mind, terrible recruiter, although he did help jumpstart that um, class that had uh, Fletcher Cox in it. So, you know, that's something, I guess. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah. So, I mean, a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Kroon probably uh, held us back a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't think Kroon didn't know in any favors. Yeah, because and then you have guys like Carl world at, at at Colorado getting fired, so it's just you know. But I was gonna, this is my question, and you know we're we're making a little joke with Kroon, but like you said, some of the jobs that these coaches are getting, um, I'm not forgetting the guy's name who was at Vanderbilt. Realistically, Derek Mason or yeah, Dane Franklin, uh, Mason. Yeah. Realistically, what are your chances of success? Yeah, I, I agree. He was it's kind of set to failure. Like now, Charlie Strong was the coach of Texas. He didn't work out. Um yeah, fit though. Yeah, but yeah, you are right though. A lot of these coaches are getting you know. Like I remember, uh, Turner Gill was a big name when he was at Buffalo, and he got passed over the uh, Nebraska job. Ended up going to Kansas, and again, Kansas. You know, that's the reason we've been been talking about him so much the last few weeks. That's not an easy place to win at. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, another bad situation there. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of these um jobs haven't been the best jobs, you know. Well, so. It's fair because it why would the best job come open? Yeah, exactly. You know, but and then you look at the Colorado, they just fired their coach, and even though I do believe their athletic director is a bit deluded, I'm using the word a bit. That phrase loosely because I think it's probably more than that. Honestly, he went into a situation where could he really actually win and give them what they want? I mean, I think if he would have been competitive, maybe they would have um gave him more of a shot. I don't know, but yeah, zero and five start the season is pretty terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a terrible start to the season. He weren't very good last year. Yeah, is I, I wonder. If that's one of the things where they just say it's a self fulfilling pro- prophecy, we don't want non white yeah. coaches, and but, that's the reason why. Yeah, I mean it's a terrible reason though. But also though, I feel like a lot of the problems, especially in the cottage game, um, there's just not a lot of black coordinators also, and I think that's another thing that's kind of uh, well, yeah. um, holding everything back as well. But well, if we had more black coordinators, then I think that it'll lead to naturally lead to more coaches. But there's less. There's not that many black graduate assistants. Probably not. No, because you know you look at some, especially at the smaller school level, 
you got guys who you're like, okay, he could be a GA. Nah. Kid just leaves, graduates, and that's it. Yeah. And maybe he goes and tries to coach high school football because it doesn't matter. There's a lot more uh, black coaches coaching high school sports. But on a collegiate level, no, it's not too many. And it seems, it just seems like some of the positions that some of these guys are getting put in, the expectations are a bit unrealistic. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure what else to say about that. You know, yeah. This actually helps it, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it can't hurt. So, no, well, it depends on who you're advocating for. If yeah. you're advocating for Chrome 2.0, no, it's definitely gonna hurt. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. It'll be like, yeah, yeah, get off my phone with this. Yeah, you gotta check these resumes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but uh, moving on though, our next topic, we're gonna um, talk a little bit about the Big Twelve though um, this season. You know, because we talked about Kansas and how they're. I don't want to say resurgence because they haven't really been, they haven't really surged to resurge from, but um, they're just, they're going up. Yeah, yeah, they're going up. You got TCU's undefeated at 5 and no. Oklahoma State's 5 and no. Kansas State is 5 and 1, you know, also in, in top 25. Um, and then Texas, you know, hanging in at 4 and 2, playing better. But but Oklahoma, they're down. And, you know, even though I said Texas is playing better, they're middle of the pack right now. Um, you have Baylor, who is a fav- one of the favorites. You know, they're middle of the pack. Uh, what, what do you think about what's going on, going on with the Big 12 this year? And also, like, how does everything project moving forward in the future for this conference? But there's a lot of changes taking place in the Big 12. Yeah. You know, at the very like, – at, as soon as next season, those four teams that, that, that they allowed in, they're coming in. Yeah. And right now – Oklahoma doesn't look – I mean, they're 0-3 in conference. They actually don't look like they're going to be much better than 8-4 and at best this year. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we look at this team, and I'm saying 8-4, and you know, that's to be polite. Yeah. But, Do you think I, they beat Kansas this week? And Stillwater? Well, it depends. I – I think if well, you know, I'm saying the backup play electric, so I'm nervous to take Oklahoma. Even though, like, and, and that says a lot. Oklahoma versus Kansas used to be an automatic take the over, bet the spread. Oklahoma's gonna cover. I no, they might be the favorite going to this game, but I, I'm taking Kansas. It's, I, I think the conference is in. I'm not sure if it's in a good spot or if the parity is going to hurt it. Because their bigger programs aren't doing very well. You know, West Virginia has come into the Big 12. I'm not sure if the experiment has worked out. They haven't. Probably not. You know, TCU has worked great for the Big 12. I, I think that one has been a great addition. I'm curious to see what's going to happen next season when Houston and BYU and Cincy and UCF show up. But so far this year, you know, Kansas State's looked pretty good. Oklahoma State, TCU, like I've said, all look like, you know, quality football teams. But like you said, that middle, Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech, West Virginia, 
they're not they're not anything special. And to me, those are some of your bigger brands. Yeah. And if you're the Big Twelve, are you you know a bit happier that Oklahoma isn't as good as they're on their way out? Oh yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think you are happier. Honestly, you, yeah, I'm rubbing it in. Yeah, I, I think. And, you know, on the flip side, you know, you're getting BYU, who is playing better football. I know they lost to Notre Dame this past weekend. Yeah. But they're playing better football, and they're trying to com- – look, BYU is trying to put together a competitive schedule. Yeah. So, I think – think the Big 12 is in a weird place because I want to say me and you, we discussed this. They supposedly want to add a few more schools and possibly get to 16 after Texas and Oklahoma leave. That would put them in the same conference size as the Big 10 and the SEC. Not conference quality, but conference size. Yeah. If they could get some of those schools out of the Pac-12. What do, you th- do you think that makes the Big 12 a lot stronger to where they can say, hey, you know, we deserve a seat at this new college football playoff table? Or, or yeah. what? I mean, depending on who they add. So the interesting thing about the Pac-12 is that, you know, there's been talks from the Big 10, kind of pivot to them for a second, um, potentially also want to add California, Oregon, Stanford, and Washington. If that happens, the Pac-12 is going to implode, yeah. um, and so you so you have those Arizona schools that you could you know possibly add if you're the um, the Big Twelve, and I think that will be great additions. Now, what ends up happening to Utah and Washington State and Oregon State, and I'm sure I'm missing a team, Colorado, uh, maybe Colorado. Yeah, what happened to those teams? Who knows? But well, Colorado said they're going to be a football powerhouse. Yeah. So, it, you know, if the Big 12 is able to get, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, or even Colorado Colorado or Utah, like, you know, because I don't think Washington State and Oregon State, I think they'll just be kind of um, just SOL on that one, you know. Because yeah. uh, I can see, you know, like two of those four going to the Big 12 in that scenario. Uh, honestly, actually, I, I would take it a step further. Um, I can see them adding all four and getting up to 16 because, you know, they lose two teams in Texas and Oklahoma. Um, so they would have 12 plus these four. I could see that happening, you know. So I don't know. Um, it's, my whole it, question is I don't know. No, that's what I'm going to say. It's, a, it's an interesting situation right now because if you look at the Big 12, you want to expand. But at the same time, there are not that many big fish left to yeah. go get. You know, like you said, you bring in the Arizona schools. Okay. Colorado, Utah. Yeah. You can bring in Colorado, Utah, because geographically it fits. Then Utah would have their rival in BYU, which actually makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. You bring Colorado back to the Big 12, which, you know, they used to be a power in the Big 12 North. I think those days are gone. Nine centuries. I don't think they're coming back. But. You bring them in, it fits. But if you're on the college football playoff committee, do you think it's enough to say you guys deserve, if we go to 12 teams, remember if, 
You deserve an automatic bid, whoever wins your conference. I think so, even though it'll be the weakest conference, because at that point, you you, you only have four super conferences at that point. Yes. You, know, you hear that talk all the time about the four conferences, you know. Um, but at that point, that's basically what it'd be, because Pac-12 would be dissolved. Like, if, like o- Oregon State and Washington State would probably end up in the Mountain West somewhere um, in that scenario. So in that scenario, uh, I think so, because even though you're not as strong as the Big Ten, the SEC, or even the ACC, I don't think you're that far behind the ACC. Um, so you just don't you, you just don't have the Clemson, but who knows? Oklahoma State could be that Clemson. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because Clemson was Clemson until you know maybe 10, 15 years ago. Like they didn't risk, you know, if that yeah, it, probably it, sooner, it, sooner than that. It took some time, you know. It took the right coach at the right time, and because Clemson always a middle of the road team, mm-hmm. and then boom. Dabble gets there, and you know they had some talent before with Terry Bowden, blah blah blah. But cause remember they, you know, they signed Daquan Bowers, who who was a big recruit, you know, huge recruit. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at the Big Twelve right now. You have Texas, Oklahoma on the way out, which opens the door for some other teams to rise up. Because like we had mentioned, you know, in previous shows, Texas is not really in control of the state of Texas anymore in terms of recruits. Yeah. You know, they can't just sit down in in the home, you know, come to Houston or San Antonio or any place in Texas and just say, hey, we're Texas. We want your son to play football. That doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I remember... um... When Texas used to have Mac Brown, I used to always keep up with like recruiting and stuff, and I would check, you know, the teams and how they're doing. Um, it was always interesting with Texas, though, because Texas would have about 23, 24 guys committed by like May. Uh, and it was just, it was just how they did things. They always basically locked up most of their class in that spring evaluation period. Because right. team players would just line up to go to Texas. So the top and it would be like eighty five percent Texas players. You know, they just basically just stay at home, have players come to camp, commit, be done with recruiting well before the season started. Um, uh, but yeah, it's just not the same no more. One, I don't think it's smart to do it that way. But then two, um, yeah, it's just not Texas is not as attractive. You're not gonna get those five star Texas kids to just commit without weighing their option and going on their visits now. It's just not going to happen. Well, and also, I mean, we had mentioned this before. At least I know we've talked about it. The date, Texas is constantly missing out on some of the biggest recruits in the state. It, it, it's not even a weird thing. Like I said, right now, Ruben Owens, no one running back in the country. He's not going to Texas. Yeah. He's not going to A&M either. But, yeah, I mean, he's currently committed to Louisville. Yeah, I, I know. And he might actually keep that Louisville commit, you know. But Texas is not getting him. Texas was never getting Kyler Murray. Yeah, and we mentioned, you know, last week, you know, David Hicks, the number one defensive lineman in in the country, commits A and M, number yeah. one player in Texas. Um, so fun fun fact: top five players in the state of Texas according to twenty four seven composite. How many you think are going to Texas? I'm gonna take one. Zero. See, it, it, it's worse. Like, they're all committed right now. Granted, you know, Texas can maybe flip. Now, Texas does have a top five recruiting class. So, it, 
you know, it, it's not pity on Texas. They're doing just fine. But with these Texas kids, as you mentioned, they're, you know, they're not. It's um, not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah. They're not just running the state of Texas. Um, I mean, they still have, they have two guys in the top 10 who are committed. And they're in on another player. But, um, yeah, it's just, but it's not like what, it, like you said, what it used to be. Like Texas used to, you know, like the state of Texas, I'm currently looking right now have over 50 uh, four-star prospects. Um, yeah, back in the day, Texas was just cherry-picked those guys. They, who they wanted. You know, yeah. Texas was a team, because we've had this conversation about LSU. LSU doesn't have a natural rival. Yeah. They, you know, like, I know they have, they have a rivalry with Bama, quote-unquote, and A&M. But in the state of Louisiana, they have no rival. So they can go and realistically, anywhere in that state, LSU sits down in that house, that kid probably will go there. Yeah. That's how Texas used to be. Now, these kids, that doesn't seem to hold nearly as much weight. So if you're the Big 12, you're probably happy like, hey, you ever losing the Longhorns. But the Longhorns haven't been the Longhorns for years now. Yeah. And then you have Oklahoma, who eventually will probably right the ship. Yeah, you would, th- you would think so. Um, but yeah. yeah. They'll eventually right the ship. But currently, they don't look like the Oklahoma of old. No. That's more the thing that makes me wonder what's going to happen with some of these teams as things go on. And if you're the Big 12, you're like you said, you're feeling good. You're happy. You're excited that hey, we're bringing in fresh teams with fresh offenses and fresh schemes and fresh coaches. Yeah. Bringing in a team in Cincinnati who is uh, one year removed from making the playoffs, which is a huge feat. You're bringing in a team in in Central Florida who is a few years back from winning a national championship, according to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, according to them. Uh, I'm going to be honest. UCF is popular for two things. One for self-proclaiming themselves national titles, and two, a D tackle blindside hitting a quarterback who then lit their world on fire. I mean, I don't know too much else about UCF, but can we blame them for Joe Burrow? Because ever since that hit, Joe Burrow was just lighting up in college football. Yeah, pretty much. Blame that D tackle. You know, he deserved that penalty. But I think they also have the um, largest school in the country. I think they do in terms of enrollment. Enrollment, yeah. If it's not the largest, it's one of the largest. That's one of those weird things because at least like like I'll use Louisiana, for example, once again, southeastern Louisiana is the second largest in terms of student population. But you wouldn't notice it. Yeah, they're eventually going to pass LSU, not because it's a great, you know, university, but it's more so location. Mm-hmm. Wonder if that has something to do with that with UCF. Could be, you know, Orlando. Yeah, big area. And there's not too many other options around it. I'm guessing, but a lot of options. You... Oh, okay. Well, there you go. South Florida's like in Tampa, not too far. You got, you know, the oh yeah, it's a lot of schools in Florida. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm thinking if you're the Big 12, you have a lot to be excited for. Like, I remember just a few years back, there was a lot of doom and gloom for the Big 12. But 
I think they have a lot to be excited for. Yeah. And honestly, like, you know, the Pac-12 has been kind of in a similar situation to the Big 12, but where the Big 12 has responded and made a move, a proactive move by adding those four teams, the Pac-12 is on the brink of extinction. And that's sad. Uh, it's really sad to think about that. Um, but, you well, know, it's, 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 yeah. if, the, if the Big 10 gets their way, and they add those four schools. Um, yeah, it's only a matter of time before four more follow suit. Yeah, put it like this, because uh, we can easily dive into the big the Pac twelve, but if the Big Ten cannibalizes that conference, honestly, it's a feast for crows at that point. Yeah, the scat the birds will circle the vultures; they'll come pick up whatever they want. And like you say, because realistically. With some of these big, you know, Pac-12 schools, unlike the the Big 12, the Big 12 cares about football. Yes. They actually care about football. Honestly, if Stanford didn't get in, I don't think Stanford would care. Yeah. It, you know, football is not the number one thing. Cal's the same way. Um, I just don't think it would matter. And that's the thing. Like the Big Twelve has a lot to sell itself on. It could be the number one college basketball. Oh, yeah. it, oh basketball would be lit. <laughs> it would yeah, be lit. Basketball. Hey, yeah. Hey, we Kansas, got some ball. Baylor. You know, if Arizona came, Arizona, you know, would be a great addition oh, yeah. to it. Um. Yeah, it'll be lit. Houston has been a great program in basketball. Yeah. Listen, uh, no, you had them. Cincinnati's a solid team. Oh, Cincinnati, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like low key, Cincinnati's probably a top twenty five program. When I say program, I don't mean like you know just team. I mean like as far historically in the yeah. country, like they're Big one. Important. Yeah, they're one of those you know those great programs. Kmart, always yeah. open. Man, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so my question is this to you though: um, after the expansion, and let's say hypothetically speaking, they add those four Pac twelve schools. Now this is looking way ahead, but hypothetically, if that were to happen. Who do you think will be the flagship schools of the Big 12? Like who do you think will be leading that chart? Who who if, will be that Texas and Oklahoma? Who will be that Bama, if, uh, Florida? If you add, like you said, those, a couple of those Pac-12 schools get to 16. I would say their first four. I do believe Oklahoma State's going to keep – because Mike Gundy, he, he's been doing a heck of a job. Not only that, though, Oklahoma State – um, it's probably one of the richest schools. Yeah, Boone Pickens. He Boone sure Pickens. He, yeah, I he mean, or that school can buy whatever it wants. Exactly. That's a big deal. It is. Baylor for such a small school, I don't think will ever. You don't think they have the staying power? I think they're going to compete and compete hard. Like I think they'll probably be like that third school. The second one, honestly, I think it's going to be BYU. I think B because B wants to be, they really want it, and then that fourth school. In my opinion, I can't believe it's a lot of private schools I'm naming. It wouldn't shock me if it's TCU. Yeah, I I, I think they have a great location. They want, they care about football. It's that's another thing about that conference. That conference is gonna play some baseball too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, Arizona schools are known. Good baseball program. Good softball. No, that's not a sport you care about too much. But 
the Arizona schools play good softball. The Big 12 cares about that. To me, the Big 12 is setting themselves up to be like, look, we'll be fourth in football, but we'll be really good at the other sports. Yeah. That also, you know, basketball makes money. Baseball can make money. They'll be good at a lot of other stuff. But like you said, and we'll get into the Pac-12 one day. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that next week. The yeah, we could. we could do that. So you got anything else? No, nah, I think that's about it. Like, you know, um, this fascinating discussion about the Big 12. Yeah. Um, you know, all these, this, this, just, this, just the conference shakes-ups in general. Like, oh, one quick question I did want to bring up before we uh, hop off, though. Um, if the Big 12 goes to 16, you know, the, the the Big Ten is trying to go to 20 if they add four schools, uh, which is ridiculous yeah, that, to think about. That's um, yeah, SEC with 16 schools. Do you think the ACC would try to add some schools? And if so, who would be potential targets? Are they reaching into Conference USA or the they, I, I think they would have to. You know, maybe a South Florida. So, I, I, again, I don't have any I don't know who any clue. Because the ACC... They're they're last. Yeah, you you haven't made a move. I don't know who you could go grab. Now, if you were to some, it'll never happen, never happen. But if you were to somehow convince Notre Dame to join the conference in football, that'll be a big power play. Yeah, but I don't think it, it'll happen though. There's only one conference I actually think the Notre Dame would think about joining. Big Ten. No. Oh, no, no. Oh. After, after the whole Michigan eight oh, yeah. old saying, I'll never rest if Notre Dame joins. And so if you Google it, it's incredibly fascinating how this man had like a, like, I don't know what it was. He, he must get have a blood oath with his sons. Like, you will never love Notre Dame. It's a weird blood feud he had with them. I don't think they would yeah. ever be like, hey, we want to join. Because it was so weird. But the one conference I think that could get Notre Dame is the SEC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because, you know, simple as that. Because it, it still feeds into Notre Dame's ego. Like, hey, you're one of the best. Come here. Other than that, I, I don't see. No. The Big Ten, simply because that old guy in Michigan was like, not y'all. <laughs> 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 And, you know, to be fair, you know, Notre Dame was able to stick it out on their own. So, you know, credit to you because a lot of teams didn't. But I just think, nah. I yeah. You see, I mean, you wait I do a little think be, long. I do think they'll be fine if they can stand packed. Um, yeah, they have a great deal. There's there's no reason. Yeah, so. I just the and we can talk about the ACC because I think they waited a little too long. Cause I'm not sure who they can go get. Yeah, I mean, and also I, I know I know Memphis has been lobbying because I know they was really hoping to get into the Big Twelve. I don't understand why the Big Twelve didn't go after some Sun Belt teams. And I, honestly, I brought up Memphis because um, basketball purposes. If Memphis was to join, Memphis was to join the ACC. Um. That would be amazing Memphis. for basketball. You know, ACC is already probably the premier conference. What was that? I said the biggest city in Miss in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it would be interesting. I think the ACC has waited a little too long, but they're just in a state. They're comfortable at number three. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah. They have the brand, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into this. Yeah, we'll, yeah I mean, that's, that's a lot to unpack that we can discuss. So, But uh, any final thoughts before we head out? Can't wait till Friday show. Same here. All right. Till next time, guys. I'm your host, A-Train. This is King, and we out. We out, people.